Hi everybody, you are listening to Movie Cinema Film with Leah and Jordan, and this is going to be our review of The Favorite. Hi Jordan! What's up, what's up? Uh, we just had really good Chinese food. It was quite the uh, Sunday night... Shindig. Yes. Me, you... Wind down. Our Queen Maria, Steve, and Heather... Who, by the way, if there are any single, like, really high-quality guys, I'm talking, like, Tom Hanks level, Heather is single. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about how she's the catch of a lifetime, so. Yeah, she's wonderful. I'm sure she's appreciating me. (laughs) (laughs) Doing, I just wish I was gay. That Well, that still wouldn't make her gay, but maybe I could convince her after <laughs> some lovely prosecco and fine cheese. Labels grapes. are just labels, Leah. I hear you. Uh, I I sorry. I didn't mean to imply that someone could be convinced into being <laughs> gay or straight. I'm love just, is love. Love is love. I'm just being a doofus. I uh I'm drinking real Coca-Cola. I'm not drinking Diet Coke. I'm drinking actual Coca-Cola. So who knows? This is like a this normal person. This is the person. shwasty episode because Leah's drinking Coca-Cola. <laughs> right. This is like if a regular person was drinking like straight vodka. So that's what this is. I, ne- I don't remember last time I had a regular Coke. I cannot tolerate soda. Ugh. You're I lucky. I have a weak belly. That's why you're like thin and you don't have like, you're not like f- you know, getting a beer belly or anything, even though you drink beer, it's because you don't drink soda, I guarantee you. Yeah, well, I think it's also because all food, like, makes me sick. (laughs) Well, are you going to get sick from what we just ate? No, like, I don't know, like, you have to eat, so, like, obviously food is, like, some food is going to be good, but, like, a lot of foods do not make my belly feel good. Well, I don't know. But your dank Brussels sprouts are good for you, right? Brussels sprouts are very good for you. <laughs> Jordan made, we had a Friendsgiving here uh, at, well, we're not actually at Rhino, we're at Maria's house, but we had a Friendsgiving and Jordan made Brussels sprouts that were the hit of the event. Everybody was talking about them. Chef Jordan in the house. You gotta roast them. You gotta make them crispy. <laughs> anyway, so we're here to talk about <laughs> We're here to no, talk about That was about the leftover the chef coming in. <laughs> Right, Jordan's the leftover chef. If you guys, you know, no one to steal that because we're gonna brand that, copyright it. Oh, it's already branded and copyrighted from someone else. It's all. It's already at Jay Freezed. Oh, you it's, copyrighted that? Well, no, I didn't like officially copyright it. I don't have a lawyer or anything. <laughs> what do you think this is? An uh, official business? I don't think you have to. Anyway, we're here to talk about the favorite, and uh, I just like mailed my Instagram posts to myself and kept them sealed. So that people know that I created the idea at a certain year. Great. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> it's good for any art. That's how you copyright things. You so mail can... your Instagrams to yourself? Well, no. You're supposed to, like, mail the property to yourself so that you could prove and, like, get it, oh. like, stamped with a date and everything. Okay, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Just for all the artists out there. Right. Who have some intellectual property that they're like, I don't have 20 bucks to get this copyrighted. Hey, just send it to yourself for two bucks. Yeah, so you're getting tips on how to uh, make sure nobody steals your beautiful creations. Sorry, we have a lot of movie talk to get to. I derailed the movie talk. <laughs> so we're here to talk about the favorite, but we are also going to talk about, we're going to do one movie each this week, and the theme is betrayal, so that'll be coming up soon. But first... 
we're going to talk about the Golden Globe Award nominations that were released earlier this week. Golden Globes, my favorite award ceremony because people get to drink. We got some drunk stars. Oh, yeah, the Globes are so much more fun. I mean, even though they don't really matter as much and they're kind of like a farce, they are like fun, more fun to watch. There's like a wider range of talent on there, and it's not as stuffy as the Oscars. I like it. I think it's going to be really funny if Lady Gaga just sweeps at all the award ceremonies after Leonardo DiCaprio, like, rolled his eyes when she won an award for American Horror Story. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's funny that, like, the whole Star is Born marketing, like, they, they just kept marketing, like, oh, this is her first time, this is her first movie, this is, like, she's not an actress, and, like, and she's like, oh, Bradley believed in me. And I, I love Lady Gaga, so I'm not dissing her at all. But I just think that's funny because she won a Golden Globe for acting already. <laughs> like, yeah. this wasn't a shocker. I mean, not to anyone who pays attention. I mean, she's always giving great performances in her music videos. Yeah, I think it's weird that people are surprised that she's good in A Star is Born. Which, like, confession, I know on the Instagram I said I was going to see A Star is Born. I bailed. Uh, Damn it, Jordan. I I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. It's in IMAX at the Palisades. I'm going to go this week. I actually would like to see that because I, uh, well, I guess maybe we'll do an episode on it we so we'll definitely. get into it. But I saw it on opening night because I love her so much. So I thought, well, even if I don't really like the movie, it's two hours of Lady Gaga. So I didn't have any complaints there. So, And it would be fun to see in IMAX because of just like all the songs like in surround sound. I mean, I guess regular theater is surround sound, but it's just more overwhelming with IMAX. So let's go with the uh, best motion picture drama while we're on the topic of A Star is Born. This category... They did not go for musical. No, this category is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, that they have A Star is Born and Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep. It's like, well, if those aren't musicals, like, (laughs) what is, right? And then it's like, I mean, I get that it's not in the same vein as, like, Grease or something, but, like, they're still musicals. And then they have Black Panther, which Black Panther's a drama... It I is. guess. Yeah, it is. It's a superhero movie. It's weird. The two that I have seen on the list are Black Panther and Black Klansman. I, I have not seen Bohemian seen Rhapsody that. yet. I have not seen if Beale Street could talk. I'm excited for Beale Street. Yes. Same. That I think Barry is like Jenkins. The... You're the goat. <sighs> I'm gonna name so many goats on this podcast over the course of our hundreds of episodes that we're gonna go on to do. Hundreds of. But hundreds. he's one of one of those. So then in musical or comedy, they don't have any musicals or really any comedies. Mary Poppins Returns. Is that a musical? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And I, I the really favorite just... is very funny. But is it a com- I don't think it's a comedy. Oh, it's definitely a comedy. Really? I think it's intended to be a comedy. I think it's like a comedy like Barry Lyndon is a comedy. But if I had to put it in comedy or drama, I would put it in drama. I mean, I get that they just have, like, they spread out these Golden Globes so that they can award more films, which is fine. Like, I like that they do that, so I'm not, like, that weird about, oh, it should be in a different category, but I don't know. Like, to me, I haven't seen Vice yet, so I don't know. And Green Book, I also would not call a comedy. Green Book is a drama. It's like a two-hour sprawling drama, right? Like, but I think they just, they want to nominate... These, they should just do what the Oscars Wasn't do. Wasn't Get Out musical or comedy? Right. That was the big... That was the controversy? That was the controversy last year because everyone was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> I guess, like, this is satire. Like, it's not probably going to be laugh out loud funny at times, but 
I don't know. I'm excited to see Christian Bale play Dick Cheney. That's all I'm saying. I'm excited for uh, Amy Adams and Rockwell. I love Sam Rockwell. So Tyler Perry is playing Colin Powell? That sounds sick. All right, I'm there. I'm signed up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, So director, we have uh, Adam McKay. uh, I haven't seen Roma yet. It's about to come out on Netflix next week. We'll probably do an episode. We were talking about doing a movie night here at Maria's. We totally should. Then Green Book, I agree with that. Um, Bradley Cooper, I I mean... (laughs) I don't know, guys. <laughs> I don't know what was so amazing about his direction, really. Was it that... I, I mean, you haven't seen it, so we were going to get to it, but... Yeah. And then I have still haven't seen Black Klansman, which sucks, but... I'm kind of disappointed with these selections. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the Golden Globes are, like, stupid, but, like, yeah. I love them anyway, so I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see what, like, the Directors Guild like, nominates. I feel like they get a lot of... Right. Well, this the big sh- picks, right? The Chicago film critics named Tony Collette in Hereditary the best actress, and uh, and uh, Ethan Hawke in First Reformed the best actor. And I love those two choices. But so you can much. see First Reformed on Amazon Prime. Everybody should go watch it oh, and rate it there? the five stars it deserves because it's very low rated on Amazon Prime. What? Yeah, it's bullshit. Whoa. I hate it. Fuck People them. are morons. Fuck them. I love that movie. That's. In my top three of this year, for sure. So, uh... Shall we move on to best actress in a motion picture drama? Yeah, so we have, um... Glenn Close, The Wife, Lady Gaga, uh, Melissa McCarthy, Can You Ever Forgive Me? That's definitely high on my list of good performances this year. I wouldn't put her above Toni Collette, but she's wonderful in that movie. And then we have Nicole Kidman... For Destroyer, which I haven't seen yet, but I'm sure she's great in it as she is in everything. Rosamund Pike, A Private Roar. I actually haven't seen that either, but I've been waiting for her to come back after Gone Girl. You know, that was kind of a powerhouse for her, and she hasn't really been in anything that's gotten too much buzz the past few years. I have not seen any of these films, so it is now my goal to see all of these films ASAP. Yeah, the apparently Glenn Close is really good in The Wife. And so everyone says that the film itself is really not spectacular, but it's worth seeing because of Glenn, which I could totally get behind. I mean, she's she's, amazing. She's like a legend. A legend. So then we have um, best actress in a motion picture, musical or comedy. Um, Tully again, not a comedy. <laughs> there are aspects of it that are funny though. But like these movies are dramedies. That's what they are. But they're like maneuvering it so that they could get more nominations. Yeah. So it's like Tully probably well, took I'm advantage s- of that. <clears throat> I'm so happy that's in there because I love Charlize Theron. She's one of my favorite actresses. And she's like a role model for me and she's always absolutely fantastic and she's a chameleon and she deserves really an Oscar nomination for that one, I think. Honestly, watch it. It's definitely 10 of the most enjoyable films of the year, I'd say. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It wasn't my favorite, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's worth seeing for her. Like, I would she, the way she transforms, I think is amazing. Like, she, you know, she was really smart about, like, she's one of the most stunning women ever, right? And she was really smart about, you know, not getting stuck in those sexy roles and doing Monster, which obviously she won the Academy Award for. And, Doing these other films where she, 
you know, kind of transitioned into being an, uh, in an action star, and then she does these indie roles, and, you know, she, she gains, uh, she gained weight again for time, and she gained 50 pounds. That's so authentic, you know, it's like, it makes it so much better. It's so real, and I, I really appreciate her performance. And then I was so happy for Elsie Fisher. Yes. Queen. <laughs> I think the only eighth grade love that the Golden Globes gave. Oh, really? I think so, or did they win any other ones, or get any other nominations? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, she deserves it, honestly. She really, She's amazing. She was so convincing. And then, of course, we have Olivia Coleman. Which we'll be talking about her performance later. We don't have to right, get into it yet. Right, we should skip it now. Uh, supporting actress. Okay, so there's Amy Adams, Claire Foy, Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, and Regina King. So I've seen, obviously, The Favorite, and I've seen First Man. And I thought Claire Foy was great in First Man, but I struggle with... I struggle that she's one of the five best supporting performers of the year. I mean, she definitely was very good. I haven't seen enough of the films to know whether it was, like, one of the best, but... I watched it and I was like, this is a very complex role. Like, this is a cool role. I feel like they kind of starved her screen time, but she was amazing when she was on screen. Yeah, I thought she was good. Like, I thought, I mean, yeah, she was great. I just don't, I don't know that she is in the top five of any movie, of any female supporting role. I don't know. But I really really like First Man. We might do an episode on that because... Uh, we both saw it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I really, I think it's underrated, but that's another podcast. I went to space and IMAX. Oh, I'm so jealous. It was such a stunning experience, <laughs> wonderful experience. Just a true cinematic marvel. I highly recommend going to IMAX, get on the AMC A-list, you get to see them for free, and it pays for itself for that month if you see an IMAX movie. How much is the standard IMAX price now? 25 Oh, fuck. And it's $20 a month for the A-list. It's a no-brainer. We are not sponsored by AMC Theaters. We just like it. No, I'm serious, but, like, rob AMC of their money because they made MoviePass go out of business, so just go see all their IMAX movies. Wait, is MoviePass out of business? Basically. They were trash last month. (laughs) (laughs) But I think they're still rolling, right? They haven't announced that they're, like... They're folding, right? They're still rolling, but they really just don't let you see any films that you want to see when you want to see them. Yeah, I mean, I canceled a while ago, but last year at this time, oh, it was it was heaven. $10 a month, and I saw everything. I saw everything. And when after school ended, after the semester ended, I was literally there every day with my fucking popcorn and my soda, like... I paid $10 to be here, bitch. That was... I, I knew it could never last. Let's just have a moment of silence. <laughs> R.I.P. and movie pass. The most wonderful thing. That's ever existed. Ever. Uh, it was a nice idea. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> so do you want to read the next? Because, by the way, guys, I you, you can't tell. I am getting over a cold, and when I get a cold, I lose my voice. So I don't have time to rest or get better so I just have been walking around sounding like I don't even know I was saying to Jordan that I wish I sounded like a sexy Demi Moore but I really just sound like a little girl I told Leah I would take some of the talking in this episode but she was like nah I want to do it all I want to prove that I can do it through this adversity and my voice giving out and I said, sure, I'm just going to sit back and watch for the rest of the episode. This didn't happen, but I, I, do, <laughs> I do traditionally talk too much, so it's fine. Next, you want to read it? Best? Best performance actor. by an actor in a motion picture. Drama. Okay, I will just say that I am in the minority in that 
I have never been a fan of Bradley Cooper. I don't get it. Whoa. No, I don't get it. I don't get the acting, and I don't get the look. No, no shade. Bradley, if you're listening, come on the show. It's fine. I loved him in Silver Linings Playbook, and that's it. And every other performance, I don't get it. I don't get what's so special about him. And then, so I go into this movie. For the record, Bradley Cooper, only half of the hosts on this podcast want to fuck you. Right, so Jordan, <laughs> Jordan's ready for you. I am not, but it's okay. I mean, I'm sure you're doing okay in that department. But He's probably married. Is he married? I don't even know. But he, in this movie, I loved his performance. So I thought, I think he deserves it. I think he deserves acting more than directing, frankly. And I, I really bought his character in this this movie. And uh, I, I, I love Willem Dafoe. He's like... I've not seen the film, but I also love him. I heard it sucks. I heard the movie uh, sucks, but he's always great. And then... Rami Malek, love Rami Malek. Mr. Robot is one of my favorite television shows, and I think Rami Malek is very talented, and I still haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, but Me I know either. when I do see it, I will love it. Wait, you haven't seen it yet? No. I thought you saw it. We should see it. We should see it. And then Bo- Lucas Hedges and Boy Erased, I'm sorry. We, we reviewed this movie. I don't get it with him either. I don't, he's fine. He he's was good. Not, I thought he was good. But is he in the top five? This is what I'm saying. Is he in the top five? No, he's not. I don't get it. Like, I'm I'm just getting upset now. I don't get it with these guys. I'm like, what is so special? There has to be somebody better than than him. There has to be because I don't get it. I'm upset that there's no mid-90s nominations. Right, you said he was much better in that. I guess we'll get into our snubs a little bit later. Oh, I would love to talk about that. Don't even get me started. Okay. And then best performance by an actor in a motion picture movie... Uh, musical or comedy, we got Christian Bale in Vice playing good old Dick Cheney. He gained all that weight. We're going to talk about this down the road, I'm sure. John C. Riley and Stan and Ollie. Oh, I want to see that. That sounds good. It sounds like a classic film. Uh, Viggo Mortensen. He 100% deserves everything. Him, I get. He was sensational. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Does he already have an EGOT? No. So he's going for his Oscar right now, this year? What is he Does have? Does he have a Golden Globe he, already? I know he has a Tony, but... Grammy and Tony. I know, yeah, he has a Grammy and a Tony. I don't think he has an Emmy. Does he have an Oscar from something? Like a movie or something? He could have won one for Moana, but Moana didn't win. Or Oh, maybe that was it? I don't even remember. It's so hard to remember so the Oscars. So maybe he's coming back to try to win his... His Oscar this year. He should. It should be interesting. Why not? Give it. Give him Oscars. Everyone fucking loves Hamilton, so let's just do it. Uh, best actor in supporting role in any motion picture: Adam Driver, Mahershala Ali, Richard E. Grant, and Can You Forgive Me? Can You Ever Forgive Me? Sam Rockwell playing George W. and Timothy Chalamet in Beautiful Boy, which confirms our the movie was not about Timothy Chalamet. It was about. Steve Carell dealing oh, with yeah. it. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I love you, Timothy, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Please, if you guys are friends with him, if we if we go into the New York City circles yeah. on this podcast. I want to in- just hear his taste in movies. Like, he doesn't have to talk about any of his roles or anything. We just want to hear him talk about, like, what movies do you like? What made you you? He grew up in Hell's Kitchen, like, steps away from my acting class, and I just want to know if we ever cross paths, Timothy. You know what I was talking about with someone? It's like, I love him dearly, but, like, I wouldn't want to sleep with him because 
he seems so young to me. Like, he seems like a young boy to me, and I need a man. (laughs) 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 I have a man, but, like... He's gonna beef up, though. He's gonna beef up and grow a beard, and you're gonna be like, oh, shit. I'm sure... I shouldn't have wished for this. (laughs) No, in ten years, I'm sure I'll be foaming at the mouth. But he is so beautiful, right? He's great. And, uh... He is a beautiful boy. They picked an absolutely beautiful boy. 100%. And then I love... So my favorite... My favorite performance in this category and in almost any film is Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me? He is perfect in this role. And the relationship between his character and the Melissa McCarthy character is one of my great loves of this year in cinema. I couldn't praise it enough. Just see it. It's such an authentic friendship. And, uh... It's it's what the whole movie is about to me, is that. I mean, there's, of course, the, the plot that you can read on any summary, but that's what the movie is about to me, is, is those two. So, And then, of course, we already talked to death about Mahershala Ali being flawless. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him win it just for, just for shits. Give right. him another one. Just for existing, you, but, you deserve an award. This should actually be a fun race. Cause yeah, like, this one is actually slightly interesting, whereas Adam all the other Driver one, is Adam like, Driver. You said Richard E. Grant was great. Right. George W. Bush is an interesting character, and Sam Rockwell is just coming off a hot performance. I mean, Sam Rockwell is just, like, he he's another one that I just love. Like, I've had, a, I've had a crush on him for so long because he's so great in every single movie. Even movies that suck, he's one of those actors that you see him and you're like, oh, I'm relieved because, like, it's Sam Rockwell, so we're good. Can you believe Adam Driver? Like, five years He's worked with Scorsese, the Coen brothers. Lena Dunham. <laughs> right, same same <laughs> level there. No, but seriously, he's been in, he's been in Star Wars, and he worked with, like I said, uh, Scorsese, the, Co- the Coen brothers, Jim Jarmusch. Uh, who's this one? Spike Lee. I mean, who am I forgetting? Uh, did he work with Spielberg? Oh, Soderbergh in Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky was a... <laughs> dope ass film check it out it's on uh i think it's on hulu or amazon prime i mean he's really like in in oh yeah he did work with he did work with spielberg as well not just soderbergh because he did lincoln he was in lincoln yes he was was in lincoln Lincoln. he played samuel beckwith whoa (laughs) whoa i didn't even know who Adam Driver was when he was in Lincoln. This is quite startling to me, and now I'm going to have to watch that boring flick again just to watch for Adam Driver's part. I mean, he Clint Eastwood. Like, the the ground this guy has covered in a few short years is unbelievable. It's phenomenal. And you're supporting your troops if you go to see his movie. Is that so? Because he is a Marine, former Marine. Oh. Veteran. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I mean, he's also very good on SNL. Like, I want him to do like a great comedy. That would be cool. That like good. I guess Logan Lucky was kind of funny at times. I never saw it. I heard it was like, mm, but you really liked it. Yeah, it was. It was a cool heist film. I like. I think I influence a lot of my acting off. Like, I think we're very similar actors. Like, I think improv characters that I play are very similar to Adam Driver characters. That's interesting. I could see that. I really yeah. actually liked him on Girls. I thought he was very good on Girls. Oh, yeah. But I'm he, not dissing Girls. Girls, but this girls guy, is good with uh, what it was. What I'm going to do is look up uh, 
his agent because he has the best fucking agent in Hollywood. Yeah. The, that list I just read off? Come on. Anyway. Screenplays. <laughs> Screenplays. Oh, yes, because we are right to this. <laughs> Again, where is First Reformed? I would love to know. Where is Boots Riley on here? Okay, so it's Adam McKay for Vice, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, Barry Jenkins, If Beale Street Could Talk, the adaptation from the James Baldwin novel, Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara for The Favorite, and then Nick Vellalonga, Brian Curry, and Peter Farrelly for Green Book. I mean, I would love... I, I love the Green Book screenplay. It's a little... It's a little uh, safe, but whatever. It's cheesy. Uh, it's a little formulaic. I'm not too. I'm not too big of a fan of the screenplay. Mm-hmm. I think the actors are what made the film worthy. I hear you. Um, I wouldn't be upset if the favorite won, like all of the awards for screenplay, because I think it was very funny, and very clever, and also. We'll get to talking about. We'll it get later. into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if I start, I'll just keep going. And then Adam McKay. It's just so, so funny and clever. So We'll see what I'm, happens. I'm assuming I'm going to love this film. I feel like I'm going to love all these films, honestly, on this screenplay list. So I guess I shouldn't trash any of them until just I watch them. Just managing my expectations, because like I said, last year was astronomically great. Like, I was watching that, uh, do you see that IndieWire video made by David Ehrlich? who writes for them and it's like his 20 favorite movies of the year it's like all these scenes edited together with music like it's so really cool oh whoa no i did not see that it's really cool so i watched the one from this year and i was like oh fuck yeah this is so cool i love movies oh my god like oh i love it so much and then i'm like let me go back and watch last year's i watched last year's and i'm like fuck this year (laughs) like last year was the shit oh my god we should do a whole episode of 2017 because we weren't, we didn't know each other then, and now yeah. we can go back and gush. So next we have original score. Do we have to go through all these? I don't know. Do people want to hear this? I do. Tweet at us right now. Okay, cool. Let's do it. So I'm excited <laughs> that Justin Hurwitz got nominated because I love the first man score. Yeah, it was delightful. It was, and also I'm happy Isle of Dogs got something. I mean, I really enjoyed that movie. I've not seen it yet. Is it on streaming yet? I feel like that's. The it has thing to be because I saw it in like February or March. Wes Anderson, why are you keeping your films hard to get? <laughs> Black Panther score, Quiet Place score. I don't even remember the Mary Quiet Place Poppins score. Turns. I did not see a Quiet Place because I went to an open mic and a comedian spoiled the film. The literal week it opened. So then I didn't really want to see it anymore. Spoiled what? Like, who dies? What happens in the film. Oh. Well, you should still watch it. He just told the whole plot of the film. It's very good. I mean, it's I know. I want to watch it, but it just ruined it for me. I didn't want to see it anymore. It ruined the (laughs) excitement once somebody, like, spoiled aspects of it. Maybe in a few years. Hey, guys, Bruce Willis is a ghost. That's all I have to say. Oh, Jesus. Uh, (laughs) Damn it. Um, Are we keeping going? Best original song? I think we should do a few more. Cool. I mean, obviously... We have to get to foreign language, I guess. Shallow is going to win this, and it's also going to... I think Lady Gaga's... we Bradley Cooper sing. <laughs> he was good. I didn't see it, so I don't know. He was, no, he's he was good. He's probably good. Look, I'm the I first I want to see Kendrick, person. though. Yeah, I mean, I'm the first person to be like, I don't get it with Bradley Cooper, but he knew he was great. I mean, I'm excited to see Lady Gaga uh, win an Oscar because she's going to. And it's funny, I just watched this this song, Girl in the Movies, is nominated from this movie, Dumplin', which just came out on Netflix like two days ago. Cool. 
and I watched part of it, but I it's not that it was bad. I just have no time, and I'm so tired, so I couldn't finish it. But, uh, so best animated, we have Incredibles 2. A lot I, of things out right now. Yeah, uh, Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Mirai, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. They might just hand it to Incredibles 2. I would like to see Isle of Dogs win. Could or... be a Wes Anderson. Has Wes Anderson won an Oscar? Yes, he's won an Oscar, but I don't... But he hasn't... I mean, he hasn't what won. Uh, what did he win for? Am I Am I wrong? Like a screenplay for, like, Life Aquatic or something? Did he win? Because oh. I'd be intrigued. Is Mirai... Is that a Miyazaki film? I don't know. I've heard about that movie, but I haven't seen it. We know about movies, guys, I swear. Yes, we are movie experts here on Movie Cinema Film. <laughs> <laughs> We know it all. I haven't seen any of these. It's hard to get me to watch an animated film. Like, I need somebody to be like, watch this animated film with me, and then I'll watch the animated film, but my, like, instincts do not take me to animated films. Watch Isle of Dogs. It's it's it's, it's very sweet and entertaining. I, I like it. Cool. <coughs> Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I kind of want to watch because it seems pretty stupid. Is it oh, just, like, I think a bunch of different Spider-Man? Cool. No, it's like this this black kid from Brooklyn gets to be Spider-Man, and I love that. Oh, so that's the concept of it. I had no idea that was the concept of it. <laughs> so, now, I, now I feel like an idiot. <coughs> I just saw the trailer, and that's not what it seemed like. It was just like, oh, there's this Spider-Man and that Spider-Man, and I thought it was just the Spider-Man meme. Well, don't, I mean, <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I was the same way as you. I was like, who cares about that? And then my boyfriend told me that, that what I just told you, and I thought it was so cool. That's awesome. Cool. Now I'm going to watch it for that reason instead of me thinking it's going to be a stupid movie. And now I think it's going to be a good movie. Wes Anderson has never won an Academy Award. He was nominated six times. What are all his nominations? Okay. I'd be intrigued by that. Best Picture, Grand Budapest. Best Director, Grand Grand Budapest. Best Writing, Original Screenplay, Grand Budapest. Original Screenplay, Moonrise Kingdom. Best Animated Feature, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Wow. Best screenplay, The Royal Tenenbaums. That's what I thought he won for, but he, oh, wow. no, he didn't. <laughs> so this feels like, that could be a softball. Isle of Dogs had some political commentary. Was it? It did, but I just thought it was cute, and there's dogs, and they're all running around, and they're all scrappy, and they fight in this big this big animated mess of smoke and, and, and dust and all these things flying, and it's adorable, and it's charming. Like, it's Wes Anderson, you know? And Brian Cranston is one of the dogs, and so is Jeff Goldblum. I mean, what's oh, wow. not to like? That's so real. And our last category. Foreign language. I've seen none of them. I've seen none of them. Roma's coming out. I'm excited. Shoplifter's out. I'm going to try to see that, I think, if it's if I feel like dropping actual cash instead of AMCA list. <laughs> Maybe I'll go see it at, like... Jacob Burns or something. Or the quad. Or the quad. I don't want to go into the city, though. I don't have a reason to be in the city. <laughs> so it's just like, I'm going to pay money to go into the city. <laughs> Let's talk snub. As I said before, first reformed. And also, Annihilation, my other favorite film of the year. Yeah, I liked Annihilation a lot. I feel like it was tough to understand in one viewing. Like, I feel like it was just, that's the type of film that I like, but I don't think that's the type of film that a lot of people like. Is like walking out of the theater kind of being confused and kind of mind-fucked. We need more of those. I know we need more of those. Let's challenge each it other. It felt like it was a little too far. Like, it felt like Ex Machina was a little bit more on the nose. Yeah. Ambiguous with the ending. I thought it was a great film, Annihilation. Yeah, I, I loved it. 
I was not on the edge of my seat more in any movie since I don't remember. <laughs> like I was so invested and shocked like with every new image or idea. I was like so into it and fascinated. I was like gasping during that final showdown scene with Natalie Portman. So that's all I'll say. Uh, another snub for me was Tony Collette and Hereditary. I think that was a big surprise for everybody. I didn't see that film, but I want to see it when it gets on free streaming. Let me just tell you, it's overhyped as hell. I mean, when I saw it, I was like, this is what scared people so badly? Are you kidding me? But her performance, so good, as is her son. What's his name? I can't remember, but the guy, the kid who plays her son, I really enjoyed his performance as well. And her husband is played by Gabriel Byrne, and he is... Oh, interesting. He plays the restrained, calm character to her character who's just losing it all the time. I mean, she's just completely screaming and freaking out and nervous and anxious, and he has to be that steady hand to her. And that performance is often more difficult than the performance that requires you to be more over the top. And I thought he was great. I mean, he complimented her perfectly. Those are some snubs. And then also disobedience. Oh, that was this year? Yeah, it was like March or... Oh, wait, that's already on streaming. I'm going to watch April, that. May. I think I saw it in May. I think it's on Netflix. Cool. Is it on Netflix? Oh, that's awesome. I'd like to watch it again. Really interesting movie. Very sad movie about forbidden love. The ties in our life that keep us from doing what we really want to do. But then it's like, well, like, is it really worth it to shake your whole life up to be with someone? I personally feel that it is. But some people don't. They're very set in their ways. So there you go. <laughs> that's the movie, folks. <laughs> but Rachel Weiss, what a great year for her with this on the favorite. <clears throat> And then Rachel McAdams, too, has the better role because she has to play the one who's restrained and stuck in her uh, Jewish Orthodox life where there are no, you know, you're, you're like a nice Jewish woman in a marriage that you didn't really want to be in, but you have to because that's what everybody does and that's what you believe and she's secretly gay and she plays it very, very well. It's her first, like, really good role since Spotlight. I think there should have been some nominations there. What do you think about snubs, Jordan? I had some snubs in the way of Sorry to Bother You. I thought that that was a really amazing film, and I expected to see it in screenplay. I'd really hope to see Lakeith Stanfield or Tessa Thompson get nominations for that. She did not get nominated for anything, and she had a great year of... Role is also Annihilation. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. Uh, I guess I was surprised to not, like, I guess blind spotting is just out of the conversation. It got so much hype earlier this year, but yeah. it's just, like, died. No nominations whatsoever. Mid-90s, I'm really shocked, got no love whatsoever. Because uh, that was one of my favorite films of the year, one of my favorite films of all time, possibly. We'll see how that holds up in my head but I could have expected a Jonah Hill directing or like screenplay nomination Mm -hmm. or maybe even one of the actors long shot getting a nomination maybe he's just been schmoozing with Oscar voters more so and maybe we'll see him come around for an Oscar vote well you never know like I still think Ethan Hawke is gonna get an actor nominee at the Oscars for first reform I could be wrong, but I think so. 
That's that's the thing about the Golden Globes is it just felt like <sighs> there were a lot of things that just weren't put into the conversation that I feel like once award ceremonies start gearing up and we see like the writers guilds, the directors guilds, SAG awards and stuff like that, we're going to start seeing different films come out of the woodworks than these films that were nominated. Um, Hopefully, let's make it interesting, guys. Yeah. Nothing is more boring than when someone or something is predicted to win and it sweeps everything all season, one after the other, and then it wins the Oscar at the end. It's like, who cares? (laughs) If we're still going down the Jonah Hill path, don't worry, he won't get far on foot. Joaquin Phoenix was also great in that. (laughs) And he was great in... Maybe some actor nominations. That's another snub. He was great in You Were Never Really Here. He, He got... He won the Best Actor at Cannes last year for that. So many snubs. I mean, he's so great in everything, man. He should have an Oscar by now. I think Black Panther will also get more nominations during the Oscars. They only got Best Drama nomination, but I feel like they might get some technical Oscar nominations, maybe an actor in there, depending on how the conversation goes. It'll definitely get Best Picture. It could get Best Director, Ryan Coogler. I, like, don't really care for that movie. I'm not a big Marvel fan, but, like, I'm happy for, like, the benchmark film that it is. It should be better. (laughs) <laughs> like it's such a it's such a wonderful thing that we have this like superhero movie that is mainly set in this like African community of all these like all this beautiful culture on display and predominantly black cast and it's like I wish just wish the movie was better. It's just it's just a superhero movie. Oh, uh, I thought it was pre- like I don't like superhero movies <laughs> and I felt like. I did enjoy a lot of, like, the subtext and a lot of the story of it. I don't yeah, know. I'm I, also a huge fan of Coogler. I watched Creed the other night. Dude, you like that? I loved it. I love all the Rocky movies. I love Rocky, and I love Sylvester Stallone. I'm the biggest fan. And I just watched them all. Well, I had seen the original Rocky because it's, like, a classic. I'd seen it years ago and liked it, but I never watched the other ones. I love every single Rocky film. I watched them all. Like since October, we could do we we'll do a Rocky. Welcome to the Rocky podcast. <laughs> oh, my final stu- snub. <clears throat> what is it? Eighth grade. Even though Elsie Fisher got nominated, I would have liked to see something else. Like, how's that not best musical or comedy? I feel like I that know, could that's so stupid. be one of the funniest films of the year. Even though it is drama and sad at points, <clears throat> but but I would say that's more of a comedy, right? Yeah, I would have rather seen that than. It's just like such a real comedy. Are we moving? Are we good with Golden Globes? Oh, one thing I thought was interesting is how they're doing. Uh, you know how they have Cecil B. DeMille every year. Yeah. So now they're doing one for TV. Like they're gonna honor a TV icon. Yeah. Which I don't know who they're doing this year, for the first year. But I think that's really cool. They'll probably do like Betty White or something, or maybe like maybe they'll go younger. Maybe they'll do like Seinfeld or something like that. You know. Sorry, we're back. And we're back. We're back. We're back. I gotta do some jewel surgery. We were just talking about how fancy we are because we got invited by the Suffern Chamber of Commerce because we are comedians in Suffern. More so than comedians, we are business people. (laughs) We are business comedians. (laughs) And, you know, we get invited to cool stuff. I'm so excited. It's really fun. We're going to get to eat at Marcello's, which is this awesome restaurant on Lafayette Avenue Supper steps away from Rhino Comedy and there's gonna be like a grab bag with all the Chamber of Commerce people 
So we have to buy some presents. Did you buy yours yet? I did not buy mine yet. No. I mean, I did buy it if Chamber of Commerce <laughs> is listening. <laughs> yes, I bought it at Saks Fifth Avenue. No, honestly, we're going to talk up this podcast as other businesses talk up their businesses to us. Right. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about those businesses on this podcast <laughs> for right. some kind of friendship. If you're Monetary looking... Monetary friendship. I mean, what? You, you interrupted my ad. Well, we're going to have ads on this episode. Sorry, guys. Oh, you probably cool. just heard an ad, TBH. Now they're hearing awesome. another ad for suffering. All right. So, if you're looking for comedy in the Bergen County or Rockland County areas, or anywhere else because we're worth the trip, come to Rhino Comedy in Suffern, New York. We have open mic every Friday night at 8 p.m. We have either stand-up or improv every Saturday night at 8 p.m. We have classes every Monday. We have writer's room every Tuesday where you can workshop your new jokes, your old jokes, your in-between jokes. We'll tell you if they're funny, if they're not. And we are the best. So, come out sometime. It's a wonderful comedy club. Cheap tickets, no drink minimums. Come out, have a great time. Laugh your dang butt off. Meet Jordan and I in person. <laughs> yeah, we have a show this week. We're hyping our show, The Mutts. Right, December 15th. We're performing at 8 p.m. You can see me and Jordan perform as many different characters. And it'll only be once because it's improv. It will never be seen again, so catch it while you can. Direct message us on the Instagram and request that we play certain <clears throat> characters that you love. Right, we'll na- if you give us your name, we'll play you. Not literally you, but we'll just be called whatever your name is. <laughs> It's, uh, what was the name? Oh, oh Howley Knight. <laughs> it's called Oh Howley Knight because we like puns around here. Today at rehearsal, everyone was kept using the name Carmichael. <laughs> All right, what are we? What the fuck are we doing? Oh, how are you? What the fuckers? <laughs> what the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? Guys, how the fuck are you? So we I'm are. Mark Marin. And we're talking about our favorite portrayal <laughs> films. Oh my god, Mark, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is an honor. I mean, you've interviewed Obama, you interviewed Paul McCartney. I, I can't believe it. Yeah, I do I do what I can. Oh my gosh, can I be on Glow? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't deal with that. I don't talk to the producers. Oh, uh, will you take my headshot? That's not here's something I do. Uh, here's, my, here's my resume and the headshot. <clears throat> Will you take it, Mark, please? I, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to have you on the WTF podcast. I, 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 don't, I don't do this, though. You're supposed to be established, and I'm supposed to be asking you questions about the films that you're on, not you asking me to be on my films. What do you TV. think about all the drama with Chris Hardwick? Oh, wow, Mark Maron left the room. That's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> Mark Maron has left the chat. <laughs> all right, guys, so... Our movie this week is The Favorite, so we are going to do, we're going to each talk about a film that has a theme of betrayal in it, as if you've seen this movie, you know there's quite a bit of betrayal. So, Jordan No, Leah has to go first. Why? Because I always go first. You do? Yeah. Okay, I didn't notice that. Well, Jordan was so excited about his that I was going to let you go first, but I'm excited to talk about The Favorite, and I'm also excited to talk about my film, but I want to hear about your film. Okay, before I start, let me just say... That I decided on this film when we were downstairs, hanging out with Maria, Stephen, Heather, and the doggies, Babette and Grania, who are two gigantic puppies, they're wolfhounds, and I wrote down the title of the movie, 
And then I explained to Maria what we were doing, and I said, we need a film that has betrayal in it. And she literally said the same movie that I had written down. Out of every movie in cinema history that features betrayal, which is, like, pretty much all of them, (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe that. So this is obviously... Sorry, I'm sucking on a lifesaver because... It soothes my throat. Anyway. We are not sponsored by Lifesaver. <laughs> you can cut that whole thing out. Um, <laughs> I'm keeping it. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Jordan does the editing, by the way. Thank you. Although, so if you hate the editing, I probably had a busy week. And if you love the editing, I did it. <laughs> I'm going to start, though. I would like to edit this. It would be fun, actually, if I ever have time. Anyway. So the film that I chose is from 2002. It is... Starring Richard Gere and Diane Lane, and it's called Unfaithful. Jordan, have you seen this movie? I have not seen it. That's why I'm pulling it up on IMDb. Oh, my God. So this movie is about an affair between Diane Lane and this young, sexy French man, played by Olivier Martinez. (laughs) And... It's one of those marriages where it's not a terrible marriage. It's not an amazing marriage. They still seem like they're in love, though. Her and Richard Gere. Maybe it's not the most exciting marriage anymore, but, you know, whatever. And then one day, she just happens to be in the city. She runs into Olivier Martinez. She ends up in his apartment because she gets hurt, and he's just trying to help her. And boy, is he just he just looks at her in a way that she hasn't been looked at in a long time. And oh my goodness, do one thing... Does one thing just lead to another? And before you know it, they are just fucking all over the place. And they have this passionate, passionate, passionate affair. It's a very sexy movie. At the time, it was kind of known for the eroticism. Like, I would definitely call it, like, an erotic thriller. Even though that movie, that title is kind of, like, reserved for lesser movies. This was an Oscar-nominated film. And I feel like this movie just gets so many things right about this kind of situation the authenticity there's uh this this moment where is the is the french dude just like oh what's the big deal we all have mistresses in france not really (laughs) (laughs) i get where you're coming from he's more like i missed your authenticity point (laughs) he's more like pointed about it like he's like yes like you're cheating but like like at one at one point she because she she tries to break it off with him and she says like this is a mistake and he says there there is no such thing as a mistake. Oh yeah. So that's very French. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's so many great scenes like there's this one where she's coming home on the train she lives they live in upstate New York, and so she takes the train into the city to see him. And she's coming home on the train. Her performance is incredible. She's kind of like sitting alone. And she, they flash back to, like, just, you know, less than a second, like a flash of them having sex. And, like, the look on her face as she's remembering it. And if you ever had a really exciting experience, not just sexual, but sexual, of course, that's the theme. <laughs> but, like, sometimes, like, you can tell that she can't believe that she did this. Like, she cheated on her husband. and But she, oh, my God, is she having a good time with it, too. So it's, like, she plays the duality of that, of the of the insane guilt and the thrill of what's happening at the same time she plays it's all in her face in the scene on the train i mean it's 
brilliant. This isn't a spoiler because it is in the marketing, but her husband finds out, right? Obviously, I mean, like, where would the movie go without that? Her husband does find out. And I think there's this moment where, like, I, that happens in a lot of relationships where it's, like, the point of no return, but they're still going to stay together, you know? Yeah. Like, it's over, but they're still married. They have a son, and Richard Gere's sitting at the piano, like, either teaching him piano or, like, helping him practice piano, and they're playing these chords that are very pointed, like, to make the scene have a certain tone and a yeah. certain mood. And so Diane Lane's, like, sitting beside them, and they keep playing these chords and like Richard Gere and Diane Lane are looking at each other and again it's that thing where it's all on their faces they're like it's as if he's saying with his eyes like I can't believe you did this like you ruined our life like all just to like fuck some guy and like she had the look in her eyes like she knows it's over too and she knows that she's done something that's caused irreparable damage to this person that she loves and of course it seems so silly in that moment because you're like well, why, <laughs> why would you do this? This this man's been a great husband. Like you know, there's nothing. It's not like a. It's not like some kind of bullshit plot where they show Richard Gere being an asshole, and then you're like, oh, I understand why she's cheating. It's more complicated than that. It's like in so many moments, you're like, why would you cheat on this great man? Like, yes, maybe you don't have the most exciting sex life ever, but that's is that so important? Like, you have to have sex with this guy that you're gonna ruin your marriage. But then when you're in the scenes with her and the the French guy, you're like so like thrill like it's thrilling, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> And you get it, and I think, like, there's so many, oh my god, are there nuances to these kind of fucking affairs. Like, so many people will just label someone a cheater or the other woman or whatever. And it's so much more complicated than that. If only it was that simple and we could just throw people away like that. It's not. And so this movie does a great job of hitting those notes. And the sex scenes are so good. Like, I really don't, I'm not that fond of sex scenes in movies. I don't like gratuitous sex in films. I would rather, I would rather you display passion in a, in a less obvious or more interesting way, or maybe you're not trying to show passion in your sex scene, whatever you're trying to show. I don't know. I, I see very few films where I'm like, oh, that sex scene was like necessary. Like that helped me like understand the story or understand the people. But these scenes are like, because so much of it is about the like eroticism and passion and like vibe between the two lovers it just really like makes sense and there's one scene where like she's really trying to break up with him and this movie this probably wouldn't fly right now with like the me too and everything and I get that and if this scene bothers some people I totally understand that but like if you've ever been in that place where like you want to break up with someone but like you also really really don't want to break up with them like you'll understand it's like she wants him so bad but she's like breaking up with him on principle you know yeah so she's trying to do the right thing thing even though she wants to just rip his clothes off right there and so he starts like ripping off her clothes like because he knows that she wants to do it and of course that's complicated right because like if a woman is saying no you should stop uh, of course right the intimate level that they know each other on I guess like it's it's okay in the context of the movie I guess or you could maybe argue that it's not but you know and they literally have sex like in the hallway of his apartment building like they don't even wait to get back into the apartment like they have sex next to the stairs <laughs> and it's like if you've ever had a passionate romance like that which I I've experienced that it's like I get it like I haven't done that but like I get I get it like I totally get it so it just captures that very well and the betrayal I really like the way the movie ends I won't give it away because that's a major spoiler but I really liked like the last scene of the movie in the car for any of you guys who have seen in the car that's a great scene and i recommend it i think it's really good and uh maybe i'll watch it you should i think you would really like it jordan you should really watch it because there's gratuitous sex scenes (laughs) but they're not gratuitous that's what i'm saying cheating but (laughs) (laughs) 
there's like multiple there's multiple graphic sex scenes but they all fit in the movie very well like you're not like okay i get it like there's some remember but there was a movie recently that had so many sex scenes and i was like i get it okay like you're edgy <laughs> like we're, we're having sex all the time like we're fucking everyone i get it thank you well i guess that leads way to my pick oh really what is your pick all right i am picking the greatest betrayal film of all time. It's a little film directed by one of the greatest Ameri- er, greatest filmmakers of all time. He is not American, or he is ambiguous in his origins. I am picking <laughs> the Tommy Wiseau directed The oh, Room. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I think The Room is a very interesting and important film in American history. And if you don't know what The Room is... Uh, it is the worst film of all time, dubbed the worst film of all time. Some people think other films are worse, obviously, but this has oftentimes been called the worst film of all time. What are, what are your takes on the the room? Do you enjoy it as like an event? Yes, of course. Yeah, cool. I, I really like the disaster artist. Also, I also enjoyed it. I've um, never seen. I thought the acting performances were very funny. Yeah, I agree. I thought I thought they were both great. I thought that uh, I thought. Uh, James Franco was excellent, but also uh, Dave. Dave was so good as Greg. He was, like, as the straight man. Yeah. Like, it was kind of like what I was saying about Gabriel Byrne, two very different movies, but, like, the person that's not the over-the-top person often has the greater challenge, and I thought they were really good. They played off each other well. And I thought they represented, like, the whole vibe of, like, the culture around the room. Like, I thought they represented that well, and I really... I have never seen The Room from beginning to end. Oh, wow. But I've seen, like, all the, you know, like, clip packages of, like, why it's so bad, and, like, how did this happen, and, like, what the hell is with this guy, and I love him, right? Like, I love him. If he... Come on the show, Tommy. We think you are so great. No, like, honestly... I think this film is so important culturally. And The Disaster Artist was the film about the making of the, room. the film The Room. Yeah. And it's based off of the book by the guy who played Mark in The Room, Greg Sestero. Uh, he wrote a book about the making of The Room. And, like, his origins with Tommy Wiseau, which, to summarize the book and, like, the movie The Disaster Artist a little bit, basically <sighs> Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau met in an acting class. Yeah. And Greg Sestero saw this fire in Tommy Wiseau's eyes and, like, this desire to be, like, a James Dean-type figure, which they didn't talk about too much in the movie, but that was, like, a huge aspect of the book. It's just, like, this idea that, like... It it was all about being James Dean. It was all about Tommy Wiseau wanting to be this all-American boy, which, like, if you know anything about Tommy Wiseau, have heard him in interviews or hear his affect in (laughs) the room Tommy Wiseau does not have the accent of somebody who that it's not an accent that can be tied to many places in America no 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 he claims to be from New Orleans and has ties to like Louisiana which shout out New Orleans dope ass place I I don't doubt my life there right I we were just Um, talking about that but I don't doubt that he was once in New Orleans no no, no, I I don't think think he came from there but he claims to have like come from there been there and it appears as though he has Eastern European roots and just came to America and wanted to be like, oh, I'm an American. And like, I could say I'm from New Orleans. I'm from this very European city, this very international city that has a lot of different backgrounds. And I think that's what makes The Room such a great film is knowing who Tommy Wiseau is and knowing this background about him 
and knowing that he is this guy who's always wanted to be like the all-american guy and he like obsessed over greg sestero this friend that he met in the acting class and this idea of like this sunshine boy with his nice hair like i love you <laughs> <laughs> like you're so handsome <laughs> you know <laughs> like all of this stuff and the room is like what somebody who sees American culture and wants to emulate culture would make if they just do not understand the nuances of America and have not lived and had like the intimate relationships with American people but have just watched television and watched movies and idolized that. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. <coughs> I, I'm not surprised at all that you love him because you have that attitude too, but you're talented. But you <laughs> that well, that reading that book about the making of the room like inspired me to make films like mm-hmm. more so, and inspired me to just go and do it because he was just like, let's just make a movie. What what's the right. worst that could happen? Like despite how poorly it turned out, even if it hadn't become a cult classic, it's still like I love that he made a movie. He wanted to make a movie. He came to America. He made a movie. Like good for him. And the reason why the movie is compelling is because he got like emotions out of his actors. Like even the bad, like the bad actors were bad actors, but like the actors who were like trying, they got huge emotions, and it was just like, yeah, you got something on the screen. Like it's interesting to watch. Like Tommy Wiseau is an interesting person to watch because he just like throws these emotions into it. Mm-hmm. Like it's melodrama and it's over the top. But he's like the ultimate frustrated man who finds out that his best friend is cheating on his girlfriend, and his girlfriend is gonna try to break up with him and like just writing this horrific script about like the worst possible thing that could happen like your girlfriend's lying to you like you're (laughs) not to mention his girlfriend's mom just gets cancer and it's just like passed over like there's just so many things that are just like well that's just life like things happen but you're dealing with other things (laughs) right well lisa is iconic Yes. Her poorly fitting wardrobe and like that just like I love how there are certain movies that they use as examples in screenplay class and this is one of the ones that they would use as an anti example. Like for instance when you write a screenplay when you're when you make a movie, your scene should never begin at the top of that moment that those two people or whoever were having. <laughs> yeah. But in the room it's it's this like you know, the scene like if me and Jordan were sitting here and, and we were in a movie it's like the camera, like the, the scene would cut to right now, like us in the middle of the podcast laughing. It wouldn't be like us setting up and turning on the thing and, and saying, okay, what are we going to do, blah, blah, blah. It would, it would go right to the middle of it, right? And then the scene is supposed to end before the moment ends between us. So it wouldn't end with us packing up and leaving. It would end earlier than that, right? In the room, everything, <laughs> every single scene is somebody walks into a room, they start talking, the scene starts... Okay, bye guys, and they leave. It's so poorly done. It's just like it's amazing how poorly done it is. And the fact that it's so poorly done, like it's kind of like ju- it jumped like internet trends and just like random humor and just like saying stupid things and things that don't make sense and it's just becoming quotable. Like there's so many quotes in that film that just make no sense. But like when I walk into the house, I'm like, oh hi doggy. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, at the flower shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think, oh, hi, Mark, is just the, like, people can say, oh, hi, Mark, in the middle of saying anything else, and everyone in the room laughs, like, people just know it. So how is your sex life? Right. <laughs> just, just randomly, when, yeah. Like, is he somebody who just, like, watched American TV and was like, this is what they talk about. They just, they just right. ask, 
how's your sex life? And I just, like, if you, like, look at a guy like Tommy Wiseau out of the context of, like, Hollywood dreams, you could be like, oh, yeah, that guy would, like, vote for Trump. You're just like, yeah, he's just, like, a babbling guy. He's just, like, really insecure like, about everything in his life. And <laughs> he'd be like, oh, it's look just at sad. That. Look at that man with that red tie yelling on TV. Yes, go. Like, you can do it. Like, that's what he would... He would be like, yes, I get it, I get it. Vote for him. Like, there's this weird, like, manipulative quality to the Johnny character where you're like, well, where are you going? What are you doing? Why are you leaving me? You're already leaving me. (laughs) And, like, I feel like it's just the most insecure man ever. And, like, I can't even imagine what the psyche... Like... It just comes from such a sad, sad psyche. Mm -hmm. And, like, it would have gotten cut off by a producer somewhere. Like, they would have been like, dude, you're just, like, a sad dude. Like, stop, like, complaining about your issues. But since there's no, like, filter, the literal, like, saddest dude narrative was just made into a movie and an awful movie at that. Well, it's also because he had money. So it's like if someone's coming up to you and saying, I have $200,000 for this one element of this gigantic indie boom. And you're like, oh, this is fucking terrible. And, like, there's that scene in The Disaster Artist where they're like, oh, no, 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 like, you can save, like, $100,000 or whatever. Like, you don't have to do it like this. And and he's like, no, 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 we do this. He (laughs) shot it on film when he didn't have to shoot it on film. He could have just shot it digital. Right, right, right. And and they are the people selling to him. Like, they should be like, yeah, come, come, like, spend more money. But they're like, no, 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 like, that's totally unnecessary, dude. Because they're like, there's no way he's not going to realize this and come back and, like, want a refund. <laughs> it's like, no. Good choice, man. Yeah. I love talking about The Room. If you get me started talking about The Room, I'll talk for hours and hours and hours. Did you see the new, the one Best Friends? No, I have not. Is it a movie or a TV show? If it's a movie, I'm watching it tonight. If it's a TV show, I'm watching it tonight. <laughs> Screw it. After this, I'm watching any Tommy Wiseau content I can get my hands on. Send it to the email address, moviecinemafilm at gmail.com. I can't movie believe- Cinema Film Podcast. <laughs> I can't believe that you didn't see it. It's the new Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau movie. And it's on, like, Hulu or something, right? Well, it was in cinemas. They did all these Q&As, and they promoted it. So it qualified for the Academy Awards. Of That's course. why the, the Room was in a theater for two weeks, so that it would qualify for the Academy Awards. Where are these nominations? <laughs> I'm, I'm upset. Well, now that we've talked about our favorite betrayal films, should we talk about... The favorite? Nice. Or is that too too abrupt? <laughs> no, segue? Like, let's do it. Let's do it. You were taken aback by my segue. It was a good one, man. I'm here for it. All right. Going into the favorite. What did you know? What did you expect? <laughs> oh, right. I forgot that we do that. <laughs> okay. I kept hearing... This is the, the... Before I heard anything, I just kept hearing Olivia Coleman's going to win the Oscar. That's it. And I thought, oh, that... British woman from the BBC, like, hey, cool. Because I, I like when someone comes out of nowhere to kind of win the Oscar. Not that she, I mean, she's had a great career, but, like, when I say nowhere, I mean someone who's never been, like, really in the Academy conversation before, to my knowledge. Maybe I'm wrong. And uh, I thought that was cool. And then I started seeing the trailers, and I really liked the trailer. I, I'm not a big fan of British or English royalty movies or TV shows like Downton Abbey, The Crown. I don't I don't care. For some reason, because I'm, I'm really into like Princess Diana and like that whole thing. But for some reason, I don't know. I just don't, I don't get into like British royalty movies. But this seemed to have that edge that m- could make any film <laughs> topic interesting. I loved, I love Emma Stone in the trailer, especially. I love her little snort and I love her a little like, I love when she says, when me and my boyfriend were going in to watch this last week, I I was like, I love that, that line where she goes, 
it turns out I am capable of much unpleasantness. <laughs> he was like, I knew that you, you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I, I, yeah, and I really like Emma Stone. I really like Rachel Weisz. And so I was down basically just from the tone of the trailer. That's kind of what interested me besides that and the buzz. And then also, you know, Yorgos Lathamos has proven he produces interesting content. You know, he's in, he's into telling an alternate story. He's not going to go for the low-hanging fruit or the easy road. He's going to tell you something a little bit more than you were expecting. Of course, we saw that the lobster and... Uh, I liked Killing of the Sacred Deer more than The Lobster. I did, too. I just recently watched it for the first time to get myself in the mood for this movie. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think we we talked about that we both liked that movie. Yeah. So I was down. What about you, Jordan? Um, Emma Stone. You have a crush on her, huh? She is what she is. She's, uh, an actress that I've grown up with. She is what she is. (laughs) I love that. Amazing. Um, and I'm glad that she returned to a comedy, so I was excited about that. Uh, See, I don't agree that this is a comedy. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, my God. It is funny, but is it a comedy? I w- this was the movie I laughed at probably the most this year in theaters. Okay. I think. Um, and Yorgos Lanthimos, like you said... It's just going to be interesting, especially to be able to see it in the theater because he makes very cerebral films. And, like, if you don't have the option to look away from the screen, it's oftentimes better. Um, Yeah, I've just been hearing a lot of hype about it. So I kind of went into it thinking I was going to like it. I didn't want to ride the hype train too much just in case it didn't live up to the expectations. I think the lobster didn't live up to the expectations I had set for it in my head. Maybe I need to watch it again, though. I agree with you. Um, and I really love this film. Okay, why don't you why don't you keep going? Let's let's hear your like hot like your first take. Like, what do you think of this film? Did you love it? Did you like it? Did you hate it? I also am not a huge fan of like royal type stuff. Um, but I do enjoy like comedic royal stuff because I feel like. We should be making a mockery of like. Right, take some the piss out. Yeah. Um, and I thought this film, like, okay, all of the acting performances were s- just amazing. And like, you need that if you're gonna be playing in a period. And especially if you're gonna have a weird tone, which this film definitely had a weird tone and was very, like, kind of darkly funny. And, like, if you're going to have that in a period piece to make it not cheesy, mm-hmm. like, the acting has to be there. Um, I'm trying to think what else I could talk about without spoiling things. Um, the screenplay, amazing. I'm glad that it's nominated for things. Olivia Coleman delivered was exactly what I expected it to be, and probably even better. Um... I just thought, like, this film was just, it felt very relevant to just so many things, either in my life or, like, what's going on in society with just, like, people are willing to work for terrible people or do terrible things to people at the same level as them just to get in favor of, like, the person in power even though the person in power will, like, throw them to the side immediately (laughs) if they don't do what they want. Mm -hmm. And, like, especially Mm -hmm. with Trump, you could see this. 
which I think like it's cool that like we saw power through this lens of this film since it is like three women who are like leading everything and like they're all competent and like Trump is not competent like they get shit done in this film but like it is like the same idea of like all the people who are working for Trump just vying to be his favorite and then he just tosses them to the side and then they're like we never liked him in the first place what no I just I just in general ew with Trump Continue. Yeah. Yeah, but like. <laughs> Continue. That's a, I'm just saying, like, I think that this is a good film for our time to be like, you you can't just be a slave to this power and no. like appeasing the person who's in power. Like, you have to be yourself, or else you're going to get screwed over and make yourself go crazy. Mm-mm. And like, we'll we'll talk more about this in the spoilers, I guess. Right. What okay. were your thoughts on it? I really enjoyed it. I think it's definitely a lead film of this year. <clears throat> it might be a little overhyped, but I don't really mind this being overhyped because I, I like it. <laughs> I uh, One thing I thought was interesting is that if I hadn't heard so much hype on Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman, and I hadn't known that she was getting predicted to be the lead uh, Best Actress Oscar winner... I would not have singled her out as the lead, and I would not have singled her out as the best of the three at all. I think she was phenomenal. I don't think she was better than Rachel Weisz or Emma Stone. I think that these are three outstanding female roles. I just could see them chewing the scenery every second. I could see them, like, biting into these roles as if it was, like, a big, juicy steak and loving every (laughs) minute of it, and I thought that was great. And I honestly, like... I see Olivia's role of more of a, like, a supporting, like, character actress role. I feel like it's very much the formula, especially, like, in Beautiful Boy also. It's, like, they show the first scene, and, like, the first scene of the film revolves around Olivia Coleman bossing around the Rachel Weisz character. And, yeah. and then it's like, okay, she's the leader, and then these two other people are going to be vying to be the new leader. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you that the other performances were more captivating. But she was also amazing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, her, except for a few choice scenes, her performance doesn't have much room to go anywhere. She's like this over-the-top, oh, I'm going to cry because I don't get my way. Oh, you know, like, you know, like, the way that she just, like, needs uh, the support from these women. And if she doesn't get exactly what she wants, exactly when she wants you, she's been so spoiled by her her role as queen and then there were so many other interesting places I think that uh the other characters went but like I said I'm not at all taking anything away from Olivia Coleman I just I just don't see her as the lead of the film there but were some great food scenes as in all Yorgos Lanthimos scenes films we were joking that this movie has a lot of walking a lot of a lot of walking with you know the camera following and then a lot of vomiting a lot of vomiting. <laughs> Which I guess we'll get into that with spoilers, but... Um, <laughs> let me think of what else I want to say. I love Nicholas Holt in this movie. I love him in basically everything I've ever seen him in since About a Boy when he was a Nicholas child. Nicholas Holt? Who is he? <coughs> oh, are you kidding? Wait, I'm gonna... I'll understand this in a second. <coughs> He's phenomenal. So he was in 
about a boy. That was his big debut. He co-starred with Hugh Grant and mm-hmm. Tony Collette. And then he was in A Single Man, which is one of my all-time like top ten favorite films, when he got a little bit older. And he's in The X-Men. He's had a lot of great roles, and I'm really happy he's in this because he, he deserves to be in this caliber of, of film that's getting mm-hmm. all these nominations. He's absolutely great. Hmm. I guess I know who he is. So I, so I loved him. I I uh, I really enjoyed the wide angle lens that they used. I enjoyed that more than the fisheye. I wasn't crazy about the fisheye. I like I I like it because it's different. It's not something you see all the time. But I prefer the wide angle shots. I uh, really enjoy the quick panning. I like that. The overall filming style was just nice to see something that's alternative from what you always see. I love the color saturation, and I really like these moments. There's one specific moment where, like, Emma Stone is wearing some beautiful gown, as they all are wearing during the whole film. The costumes are obviously outstanding. It definitely will get a nomination for that. Probably win. Right. Uh, And then there's, like, the background. There's all these beautiful... There's this beautiful wallpaper and these stunning paintings everywhere and murals all over the castle and and uh there's a lot of shots that if you just freeze frame them would look like a painting and then there's like paintings within the shot so it's like just one beautiful like combination of all this art including like the actress you know so I really like that I really like looking at the movie and when it comes on HBO and things like that I'm sure I'll be stopping many times just to kind of look at it again and I, I just love, we can't give away too much in the non-spoiler, but I love the back and forth of everything. I love watching, it's like a game, it's, it's almost like watching basketball, like watching these people one-up each other and like, what is she going to do next and what is, what is going to be her response to that and how is the queen going to handle it and who is she going to favor? Because right away it's called the favorite. You know that she's going to favor one or the other or someone's going to get ahead of somebody else and, and the whole time you're just like, you don't know who you're rooting for. You know they're both awful, but you both you also like them both too. And oh, you like all of them. It's, <laughs> it's so fun because you're like right. rooting for all of them, but rooting against all of them at the same time. Right, they're terrible. I mean, I love the Nicholas Holt character, but he's also an, an asshole. You know, he blackmails. Well, I guess that's a spoiler. I'm sorry. I won't say who. Uh, but you know, he you know, he he pushes Emma Stone into a ditch. He's abusive. I mean, but you like him at the same time. You know, these characters. It's kind of like it kind of almost has that satirical tone where you 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 love and hate everybody at the same time and you just enjoy their deliciously evil practices and <laughs> it's one of those movies that kind of confirms your fears like sometimes I'll be in a situation where I'm like ooh like is this person going to screw me over and then I'll be like no like I'm being so stupid like people <laughs> people don't really do that like I've just watched too many movies but this is like a environment where very much so yes like if you don't watch your ass and if you're not 10 steps ahead of the other person you are going to get screwed over so i it's fun like i enjoy it's like a uh it's like a tennis match oh yeah it definitely had that vibe and the other thing is that this movie has uh those those chat it has chapters with the um the the kerning like with the text all separated. What did you think of that? Uh, I liked it a lot. Like, I, I'm pretty sure he was just, like, taking a lot of shit from Barry Lyndon. Yeah. 
same as like Killing of a Sacred Deer felt a lot like Eyes Wide Shut. Like I think he models a lot of his films off of Kubrick. Don't we all? Yeah. We well, just like, be him. It's a good director to copy. Right. But I I thought it was cool that he was like playing with the form and like Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like it felt like he was telling us a royal tale that we were reading in a like a leather bound book mm. that we had just dusted off. <laughs> So, talking about the performances, without getting too into spoilers, I loved the control of Rachel Weiss, like, her character. Despite, it, no matter what's being done to her, you never see her unravel. Like, even when, I guess I can't talk about it yet, but I, I'll get more We might have to get into spoilers soon. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's get into spoilers. Okay. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. Oh, don't clap. That's just going to hurt people's ears. Oh, I'm so sorry. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. You can edit that out. (laughs) Okay. uh, Those are my spoiler claps. Okay, so the performances. So, okay, what I was going to say was when Rachel Weisz wakes up in that whorehouse and she's been attacked and, yeah. and, and, well, not really attacked, but she was, well, yeah, attacked. She was dragged by a horse. <laughs> <laughs> she wakes up and she still doesn't panic. Like, she, like, she, like, she must be in terrible, she must be in tremendous physical pain and also furious. And she still, like, she just kind of wakes up. Like, she takes survey of what's around her and she, like, figures it out. Like, she's like, what do I have to do to get up here? She's very resourceful. She's very controlled. And I love that about her character. But do you think that, to be more three-dimensional, like, do you think that she should have lost it at some point? No, I think it's true to character, because <clears throat> in order to get where her character got to be the favorite when we start the film, and, like, in comparison to Emma Stone just, like, coming into town and kind of manipulating her connection in order to get close to the queen, I think it makes sense that it's like, oh, yeah, like remember how I got here. Like, I had to manipulate so many people to get to this point. Like, don't think that you could just come in here and take it from me. Right, because you also get the sense that Emma Stone is not the first girl that came traipsing in there thinking that she was going to become the new favorite. Like, she's like, um, you know, Rachel Weisz is like, yeah, like, I've seen this before. Like, I don't care that you're my cousin. Like, I I get it. Like, I see what you're doing. You know, like, fall back. (laughs) And then, uh, so, uh, Olivia Coleman. Her performance is so wonderfully decadent, and I think it shows that kind of, like... It is kind of like a satire on royalty, her performance, Yeah. And, like, the scene where she's eating the cake, and then she throws up, and then she just takes another bite. (laughs) And I think think they have a good balance of, like... They make her grotesque, but it's also from the perspective of, like, what? I'm the queen. I can do whatever I want. Like, what? You're you're really going to stop me? Like, I I made the decisions, and I got us to the point where we're at? Like, what? We're not winning the war? Well, that's your fault. Like, I got us to a point where we should win the war. Like, why are you asking me these questions? Totally. It's everybody else's incompetency that is making our nation fail in any way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was very... Uh, I enjoyed her pouting and her, you know, sighs and her, you know, mm, like, poor me. And I don't know if I was supposed to laugh when she had the sores and they bring uh, out the meat to put on her legs. Oof. And I was just like, oh my gosh, he's going to make us watch this. And I'm just like, yep, he's going to make us watch it. 
Oh, yeah. We're going to have to watch them just bandage meat to her leg because that's what they used as band-aids. Ugh. <laughs> well, my favorite scene of hers, of course, if anyone knows me, well, I'm going to say it's the scene where she shows her emotional depth, which is when she reveals that she had 17 miscarriages. Which, oh my god, imagine wanting a child that badly. I mean, after maybe five, maybe ten, maybe fifteen, you say, you know what, this doesn't work for me. Or no, she's not even 17 miscarriages. She said some of them she miscarried, some of them were born, and they lived like a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, what kind of, like, that has to be the worst torture in the world, and... Especially because she's, I mean, who knows, maybe she's bisexual, but, like, she comes off that she's gay. I mean, she doesn't seem interested in any men. She could have any man that she wants, right? She's the queen, and she doesn't go after any men, so I assume she's a lesbian. So she was having sex with, I assume, the king or or whoever her husband was and probably wasn't very interested. And she's having so much, like, over and over trying to have all these babies. I mean, 17, that... Also, that's probably what she was there for to that person. Right. And she probably was doing it from the time she was, like, 13 or 14, right? Like, 17 babies? That has to be over, like, 20 years, right, of of losing babies? I mean, no wonder why this woman is so psychologically, like, ruined. And the, she was absolutely phenomenal in that scene. She should win the Oscar for that alone, Again, I don't really feel like she's the lead of the film, but uh, I actually thought that I really enjoyed that scene between her and Emma Stone. Like, I know that the whole thing... I know that Emma is Emma's character. If I was a man, I would <laughs> ravish you. And, like, that scene sticks with me because I'm just like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her name's Abigail, right? Yeah. Abigail, like, I actually really enjoyed that. Like, I felt like she did kind of feel something for her in that scene. Not necessarily, like... Yeah love or attraction but like how could you not feel something for someone who's been through that well she also came from being tossed aside and just kind of being at the mercy of these men who were going to do whatever they wanted with her right and she had to I, i didn't quite catch what happened to her father that she had to she had to sleep with that man didn't he just have debts, and she just got sold to him, basically? Was it debts? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, uh, and, like, there's that scene where she says to Abigail, like, you know, you, you did that for your father, like, we do what we have to do, you know? Like, I, I mean, I've never done that, but, like, I relate to that, like, feeling like, okay, I don't want to do this thing or whatever, but, like, if it gets you to where you need to be, or if it saves somebody that you love, it's like kind of seems like not that big of a deal in that, you know? Yeah, and I think it just, it's just like the stakes are just so high in this film because Emma Stone is literally coming from a place where she's like, I, I can't be broke any, ever again. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to be with the queen. I need to, like, live this life. Like, I need to, like, mm-hmm. learn everything I can about this woman in power so that I can be that woman in power and see how she controls all of this. Right. And people do this all the time. All the time. In every in, in career. And I mean, I can't tell you how many, you know, women and men just, like, want to find someone who's richer, like, just want to get married for reasons outside of love. Like, they're just like, this is the kind of life I want, and I need to be with this kind of person. And it's so funny because recently... <laughs> This guy, this actor I met, he said to me, like, I'm not going to say his job because I don't, I don't want him to know I'm talking about him because this is not that nice of a thing. But he said, 
he has a really good job and he said it's a job that a lot of people want and he said like oh I'm just doing this until I become a famous actor basically but like I have to make a good living because I live in New York and I don't know what else to do and then he said something to me like you're so lucky you're a woman because you could just like marry a rich guy and you could keep acting and doing whatever kind of creative stuff you want and and you don't have to worry about anything like you could so easily find a guy and I was like no but no I don't I wouldn't like to do that but then I was thinking about it I was like I wouldn't ever do that because I am so like I'm such a romantic so like it would be very suffocating for me to be married to someone that I wasn't like like I would have to be crazy in love like to get married so I I don't think there's anything wrong with getting married for other reasons if that's what you want but I was thinking about that like that would be a huge sacrifice for me because I do, I am such a romantic. If I was like, yes, like I'm going to find a rich guy so that I could just act forever, whether I'm successful or not, I could do community theater forever if I want to and make no money. But who cares? Like if I loved acting that much that I would sacrifice my own personal happiness in my personal life for like success as an actress, like that's a, that would be a huge sacrifice for me. And the fact that, like, he does see that as a viable option is so weird, but I also get it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there are a lot of actresses who have done that, and actors, right? Yeah. Or or just any kind of artist where you're not going to make a ton of money. I mean, maybe you're a director. Maybe you like directing plays. It's like even the best play directors don't make that much money. Like, the Broadway directors, I mean, you have to be, like, fucking directing Hamilton to (laughs) make a good living, you know? Like... You could be at the top of your game and not make a good living. So, like, if you if you marry someone who also who wants to marry you, it's like you're forcing them. Or, like, people always act like gold digging is like you're tricking the person. And I'm always like, the person knows. <laughs> like, <laughs> But they're in it for something, too, you know? So it's like, I think we all make choices based on the lifestyle we want. And I want a lifestyle that involves, like, passionate, like, romantic love. So, like, I couldn't do that. But, like, Emma Stone, she just... Or Abigail, like, she just ends up marrying this guy because he's a lord. And this poor guy probably thinks he's at least going to get to have sex with her. <laughs> and <laughs> at the yeah, very least, he's like, I'm going to get in, right? And she just gives him that, like, hand job, and she doesn't even look at him. Oh, my God. It's not a Yorgos Lanthimos <laughs> film without a good hand job scene. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, you know, it just, like, it brings up a lot of interesting topics about you know, what you choose, and, and I think her ruthlessness, I mean, she she could have failed so many times, and you could argue that even though she got what she wanted, did she really get something so great? I mean... Well, I think we have to now go to the rabbits. <laughs> because, like, the rabbits, like, they start out as being, like, a metaphor for the kids. Like, that's kind of... Yeah, like, those are her babies, of, yeah. yeah. And it start like, the first scene is taking care of the babies, the rabbits... And the final image of the film was the rabbit, so that was obviously... What did you think of the ending? We weren't crazy about the ending. I liked it because I thought that that was the whole point of the film that he wanted to say, is that, like, you guys are just rats that she's just using right now. Like, you have won, like, Abigail won... But what did Abigail win? She just won that she's going to get to be the closest servant. Like, she's still just a rat that, like, this queen is just playing with, I think was, like, the metaphor. After, like, 
after Emma Stone had her, like, foot on the neck of the rat, like, she thought she was in charge. Uh, well, no, that was the bunny. Or the bunny, I mean, the bunny. Not rats, sorry, bunnies. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, is that Olivia, like, I mean, the queen also really loved them. She loved them, but, like... Mm-hmm. They're just running around in a cage for her benefit. Yeah. You know, like, everybody who's in this castle are just her rabbits that she's just watching move around for her purpose and, like, giving her everything that she wants. Right. I think it was kind of like a deconstruction of the illusion of wealth. It's like, oh, well, someone would look at Abigail being, like, the queen's first-in-command. Like, oh, wow, she gets to live in the palace and be with the queen. And it's like, well, no, she has to, like... (laughs) She has to, like, have sex with her whenever she feels like it. And it doesn't seem like she's really super into that. She's just doing the same thing that she was doing before when she was sold to somebody. Now she's doing it for the queen. Right. (laughs) Exactly. She's just going up the status. (laughs) Yeah, and the thing is, when, uh... When, uh... When Rachel Weisz's character got banished... She was still living in a very nice place. I mean, I guess her husband... I don't well, she's remember. Had, he was, like, the general. Right. Or so, whatever. like, she... Colonel. So, I think she... Um, she was really, like... I don't know if, she, if it's just power-hungry or if she really did. Did she have any, like, actual love for the queen? I don't know. Well, that was also a weird dynamic, because, like... I think you got the vibes that she wanted her husband to keep going to war so that she got to hang out with the queen and didn't have to be with her husband. Right. And, but she was also benefiting her husband. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like she was a double agent for both of them. Yeah. And like, it was like she was the puppet master. She wanted to be in charge of the queen and in charge of the military, kind of, which like there was a point where she was. Mm-hmm. And she had like maneuvered herself into there and was like one of the probably most powerful people mm-hmm. in that kingdom <laughs> yeah and i love how she kind of got ahead by telling the queen the truth so i always think that's interesting like there's uh i'm a really big fan of britney spears and there's i have been since i was like a little girl and like i always just like stuck with her and there was a documentary that she did after she kind of had her big public breakdown yeah and it's called britney for the record and in it you see her assistant and her assistant is like very real with her all the time like you know you get the sense like that part of the reason why she had a breakdown is because she has all these yes people around her they're like okay britney like now we need you to take off your clothes for the photo shoot and like we need you to record this and then we need you to fly to spain and we need you to do a concert and then we need you to come back and it's like okay and um and, like, whatever she wants, like, yes, Brittany, of course, like, as long as you keep performing and you keep doing all the stuff we're telling you, like, of course, Brittany, like, yes, you can, you can have whatever you want. And it's, like, in this documentary, her assistant, Brett, kept being, like, Brittany, like, I refuse to let you buy that, like, you already have that dress in three other colors, like, no, you're not getting it, like, put it back. And it was, yeah. like, <laughs> it was, that's what it kind of reminded me of, is, like, these people that have everything handed to them because of their success, or in this case, royalty, it's, like, that person around you that's refreshingly like no you can't have that like stop you know what I mean or like no you don't look good like everyone else like that scene where she says she looks like a badger yeah (laughs) like everyone else is probably like my goodness like you are stunning you know and like I think that's a really attractive thing do you tell your partner they have something in their teeth or do you just say no you're yeah 
Of course I do. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I know, but like that's like it's like similar shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like what what is the better thing to support the person that you're supposed to be helping? Yeah, and that's really attractive. And then and then she has that line where she says, um, remember what she says before? But then the queen like protests and she says, "Well, I will not lie. That is," she goes, "I will not lie. That is love," which is true. You know, like, I've heard some really hard things to hear from my boyfriend. And, like, I was never with anyone before him. So, like, I I was always, like, very independent. And I never had a boyfriend when, like, all my friends had boyfriends for so many years. And so I, I wasn't really used to being in a relationship. I don't even know if I am still. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a lot of stuff where he's, like, you are, like, totally, like, you go your own way. And, like, I've I've had to I've had to like get used to like he's gonna like tell me the tough truth sometimes like he's gonna tell me when I'm you know being a little too this or a little too that or you know and it's not like I think in today's society it's like so like you know like pro women and like don't listen to that stupid guy or whatever but it's like when you have like a relationship with like true mutual love it's like well sometimes there's things that like you're not perfect right so like (laughs) there are things that that person's gonna tell you and like that is love so it's like i think it has so many layers because you could say like well is she just being sincere like is just she really believe that like and is she being honest with her because she does have some kind of love for her or is she just like well i figured out that the trick to getting close to someone in power is to say you know these things that uh contradict them so that then they'll appreciate that someone's telling them the truth you know like is it just a manipulation so i was just gonna say to go back to uh the trump point sorry to keep talking about it but like it's okay i can handle no but like people might be bored of it like who are listening but if we're talking about like the relevance of like why is this film important right now And, like, it is just so, like, the yes men just keep saying yes to Trump. And, like, if people don't say yes to him, like, he's going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. But because people are so hungry to have this influence and this power, like, people are going to keep saying things to him until they get burned. Like, Kanye West is now, like, he tweeted, oh, like, I was used for my opinions or something like that. Or people manipulated me. And it's like, duh. Mm-hmm. And it's like literally everybody has wor- who has worked for Trump gets fired and is like, they manipulated me. And it's really, like, if you're not in the favor, like, you're just going to talk shit about the person who is in favor. And I guess it's just a lesson to all of us to, like not be as competitive and work together because like you're never going to win and feel safe if you're this competitive all the time and that's kind of what we are is just the bunnies running around Mm -hmm. in this you know what i really liked i agree with you kind of pivoting off that to the pointedness of the nudity because i really like that usually when you have like an a-list actress sometimes they're not going to show their body and that's like totally fine and there were scenes in this movie where you saw emma stone naked but you didn't really see anything yeah and then so you're like okay like that was in her contract like we're not gonna see her boobs (laughs) and and like because that was i was thinking and then like they don't show her boobs until that scene where she's finally like she's gotten in bed with the queen yeah and 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 uh and Rachel Weisz shines that, like, lantern on her, and you just see her her there with her, like, like her boob out. And it's, like, so... 
specific. It was like, well, we waited until this moment because this is like the biting moment when she realizes that she like got under the queen's skin and they're in bed together. It's it was really good. I like that. Oh my gosh, there's just so so many emotions going on right there. Like the betrayal of like oh my gosh, this person is now the favorite and then also the betrayal of oh, I thought we were romantic partners. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, and I think I I mean so many people go through that like I mean thank god I've never gone through it but like I've had so many friends that are so convinced like with their boyfriends or girlfriends like this is the one and then they break up and it's like the next month their ex-partner is madly in love with a new person and like engaged and it's like oh wow like you feel replaceable you know yeah it sucks but again, she basically got there by doing the same shit that Emma Stone did. She probably did it to somebody else, right? Like maybe there's 10 of these women that have been in and out of here and they just stomp on each other, you know? Also, um, unrelated topic, I just want to give credit to Olivia Coleman with the stroke acting. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was pretty, pretty a long stroke acting. She's great. She had a stroke for, like, how long in the film? Half the film? (laughs) (laughs) She always had something wrong. Yeah. That was also funny how it was just like, yeah, in these times, people just had health illnesses, and, like, the aristocracy were able to, like, survive through it, but they were still, like, having weird things going on. (laughs) Like, that was the funniest part about it, is that, like, she probably had the best medical help possible, and, like, it was still just, like, disgusting medical help. And, like, they still just had open sores all the time. And they were still getting, like, leaves from outside. Right. It still didn't seem to affect him until Abigail had her little remedy. Yeah. And I loved I loved her little fake cough so that she could be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I just, you know, I caught a cold while I was picking the flowers for your leg. Oh, that was you. Like, how can she not pick up on this at this point with all these people trying to get at her, like, I think she'd be so quick to be like, oh, okay, like, he wanted me to know that I got you, but... And maybe she does, like, maybe that's... Maybe she knows, but she's just like, I don't care, because everyone loves me, like... They want to be wooed. Mm -hmm. People in power want people to want them, and, like, talk about their influence, and talk about how outstanding they are, and how wonderful they are. Yep. That's the way, like, that's the way famous people are, too, like, as much as I was saying before, like, the whole... Not cool famous people. (laughs) (laughs) right like as much as I was saying before the whole thing with like Britney Spears and her assistant I also feel like there's a lot of celebrities like that if you don't instantly start gushing they're like well excuse me don't you know who I am hello (laughs) so yeah we like this movie we would you recommend it Jordan I would recommend it to everyone in the world I enjoyed this film quite a lot I laughed so much and the people in the theater probably thought I was a weirdo at some of the stuff I was laughing at, but I don't care. I feel like it was Well, that's the best funny. stuff. Yeah, exactly. I love... Oh, we didn't talk about the dance sequence. Oh, my <laughs> God. The dance sequence was so good. And that was another, like, you know, satirical shot at, at rich royal people. Like, look how ridiculous you are with your fancy balls and you're crazy and he at that one point he literally just like lifted her up and was like spinning her around like a figure skater yeah and also that was that was such a cool like 
just like tone of her being like, oh, people aren't paying attention to me. Like, I'm going to go to bed where mm-hmm. somebody is going to pay attention to me. Right, right. <laughs> like her, yeah, that was a great scene for her. Like her, just her face, like the look on her face and the different emotions she went through. And I think that's like, that's the sign of an unhealthy relationship. Like sometimes I think, you know, like, uh, I mean, there are, I mean, my boyfriend's so successful and there's many people that think he's amazing and like, I think having a good relationship and having that confidence of like when you're in a busy room or you're at an event or someone's being honored or speaking or whatever and like you have that confidence in your relationship so you're not jealous of everybody coming at them and praising them or them talking to someone else or them having a great you know time with someone else or whatever because you know that like you're with that person but like think I think that's a big sign of an unhealthy relationship is when the other like the person can't stand to see you having fun with anyone else it's like no you're mine you better stop right now and I love the way she just goes when she wants things to stop 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 (laughs) I'm like wow that's a mood like that's me this whole semester I'm just like stop stop please (laughs) so yeah that that was awesome and that that um I don't want to call them a band that that little orchestra that five-piece ensemble that was playing out in the courtyard <laughs> she starts yelling at them and they, yeah. they like they get up really quickly and they just leave everything and go oh that was so funny also the the naked dude getting pelted with fruit scene oh my god isn't that crazy that's how they um <laughs> that's how they entertain themselves yeah i felt like that was also very much just like paralleling like oh this is how guys get out there entertainment and competitive nature mm-hmm. is just by stupid violence and just embarrassing each other it was like a frat party <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i recommend the film too yeah i think there's gonna be a lot of in- interesting conversations that come from this film i think it was a cool film people deeply love this movie like on letterboxd i think it's like a 4.2 or 4.3 which is really high for letterboxd oh wow and I, I don't know if I'd put it that high, but I, I really enjoyed it, and I think I'm happy that it's in the landscape this year. It's, it definitely stands out. It was like a more enjoyable Phantom Thread. Ooh, but I like Phantom I Thread. I love Phantom Thread, but like it also was like long, like it dragged on. Like this one, it felt like, oh yeah, like what's happening next? Cool, what's mm-hmm. happening next? <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I think that's thanks gonna... for listening, guys. Yeah, we gave you a long one. Um, Enjoy our, our next film. Honestly, guys, like the second Roma comes out, I think we're gonna try to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's gonna be a bonus episode or if it's gonna be our episode of the week because it's probably gonna get it's getting awards hype already. We're playing with some ideas right now, and we will talk to you soon about uh, that. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah, we movies, we post cinema film. We post not just about the movies we review here, but we post just about movies in general. So if you're curious about what we're watching, I'm also on Letterboxd. My name on there is at Capriya Moon, which is the same as my personal Instagram. If you is know that me your on Twitter there. handle too? It is my Twitter, my Twitter handle. But my Twitter is private. So you can try to... So no weirdos allowed. No, oh, I'm sure there's plenty of weirdos that are already inside, but there's... <laughs> <laughs> But there's a, it's actually very, when I made my Twitter private, it was because I was trying to find a certain uh, gig and I 
you know, I've said some stuff, some anti-Trump stuff or whatever. And not that I wasn't applying for something super conservative or anything, but you never know how people are going to take something. Yeah. I make a lot of jokes on my Twitter and stuff yeah. too that people might take the wrong way. So I privated it. And then I realized how nice it felt to not kind of be playing the social media game on my Twitter and just kind of like... I mean, I have a lot of people on there that are not my friends that were just in before it became private, so I don't even know them, but just having, like, a smaller audience on there and, like, feeling more free, like, knowing that certain people aren't, you know, like, like just anyone is on there, like, looking at what I'm doing and trying... I don't know. It's weird. Not that, like, so many people are, like, interested in me, but you know what I mean? Like, it just feels nice. Like, I I say stuff on there that I wouldn't say. And if I make it public again, I'm going to delete a shit ton of... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're on social media. Movie Cinema Film, at Movie Cinema Film. We have, like, 70 followers now. I'm, like, impressed by that. Yeah, I've been been following people. If you came across (laughs) our podcast because I followed you, thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Love you uh, all. Have so much fun at the movies. It's a good time of year to go. Bye. Bye, everybody. This has been a Rhino Comedy production. Find us on Instagram at rhinos underscore r underscore funny. Rhinocomedy.com Rhino Comedy on Facebook. And live comedy every Friday and Saturday night at 96 Lafayette Ave in Suffern, New York.